Welcome to Next Law Ignite. I'm Joanne Wakeford. The client is always right. Or perhaps the saying should be the client's opinion and perspective, whether you think they are right or not, is all that really matters. Now, while the demands placed on the in-house team can sometimes be unreasonable and untenable, as a cost center within the business, the views and perspectives of the internal client do matter, but can actually be leveraged to demonstrate functional value. We are joined today by Sally Dyson, founder and director of Firm Sense, a legal sector specialist consultancy providing coaching and support to lawyers to enhance their effectiveness through the power of deep listening. Sally is the author of Client Listening, Why It Pays and How to Do It, which is the only book on client listening for the legal profession. She's currently working on a broad-based legal leadership book with co-author Paul Smith to be titled The Real Deal, Law Firm Leadership That Works. Sally, so glad to have you join me today. Now, you have some pretty remarkable experience, both as a private practice and an in-house lawyer, and are now working with law firms around the world on developing their client-focused strategies through deep listening. In your view, why should legal departments embrace internal client listening, and how does this effort align against other probably competing functional priorities? Hello, Joanne, and thank you for inviting me to join you for this Ignite podcast. I'm delighted to be with you today to talk about one of my favorite subjects. In my experience, all in-house counsel have to ask themselves two fundamental questions. The first one is, what is my role? And the second one is, how can I best add value for my organization? Some in-house counsel would say that their role is about avoiding risk, but not all risk. No business ever made money just by avoiding risk. So the role of in-house counsel is also about facilitating deals and making sure that the company can trade. Sometimes that means winning lawsuits. And at other times, it's about recognizing when early settlement is the right solution. In all cases, in-house counsel need to calculate an acceptable balance of risk and opportunity in their business context. To do that, they need a deep understanding of the business they work in and an open dialogue with their colleagues. Another typical answer that an in-house counsel might give is that their role is to save money. Some general counsel do this by taking as much work away from external counsel as possible on the basis that in-house lawyers are cheaper. That can be a valid strategy, but value isn't judged solely on price. Value is an entirely subjective concept. There can be a disconnect between what you as the in-house lawyer thinks represents value and how your business colleagues view it. You'll need to understand their priorities and how these fit with the company's strategy. You'll also need to understand your colleagues' fears And most importantly, you'll need to find out if you are a help or a hindrance and how you are performing against your colleagues' expectations. So, Sally, there are a number of different methodologies I know that can be used to obtain feedback, whether it's by way of a questionnaire, like a survey, or an in-person interview. What are some of the advantages, disadvantages of each, and in which scenario are each of these best applied? To answer your question, Joanne, I'll borrow here from Simon Sinek, who wrote a very insightful book called Start With Why. In a client listening situation, I translate this to mean that you begin by asking yourself what you want to know and how do you plan to make use of the intelligence you glean. Then I suggest you think about which sort of approach 
would best fit with your organization type. Finally, you need to think about the practicalities of time and money. Let me go into each of these issues in a bit more detail. So, what do you want to know? Are you after facts and figures so that you can compare performance year on year? Or do you want to deepen relationships, understand feelings and reasons? Questionnaires are great for facts, statistics, trends, and results are easily compared year on year. But they don't tell you much about feelings or reasons, and they are quite restrictive. Sending out surveys won't help you to build relationships. An interview, on the other hand, is personal, revealing, and an opportunity for bonding. It's a flexible format and can follow the interviewee's interests. You can probe and get to the heart of the matter. Whether you meet in person or have a long-distance conversation is largely a question of resource and geography. Anything that you can do in person, you can do over the phone or by telepresence. But a face-to-face -face meeting is unbeatable in terms of relationship building. Next, to consider which approach is most compatible with your organization type. Are you large or small? Are you all in one office or spread around the globe? Are you in a formal and hierarchical organization or are you flat and familiar and cozy? A questionnaire might feel artificial in a small business where everyone knows each other. On the other hand, an anonymous questionnaire might enable colleagues to speak more freely without fear of reprisal. In a large organization, a questionnaire might be the only practical way of gathering data. You can opt for mixed methods. You could deploy a large number of questionnaires supported by a few in-depth interviews. Lastly, you need to factor in how many opinions you are seeking and how much time and resource you have to put behind the exercise. There is no doubt that questionnaires are quick and cheap to administer. There is plenty of off-the-shelf software, some of which is even free of charge, that can be used to set up a questionnaire in no time at all. The results are automatically collated and analyzed and response rates can be tracked and chasers sent. Interviewing is much more time consuming and so is the reporting, which has to be done manually. For best results, members of your department would need to be trained in how to ask questions effectively and how to write up the reports consistently. If your internal clients are dispersed across geographies, travel is likely to be prohibitively expensive, unless you can combine feedback interviews with other meetings. You could also engage a third-party consultant to carry out the listening for you. That frees up your precious time and ensures a professional result, but it does require a budget. In an ideal world, you would do a bit of both. Engage personally with your key stakeholders, but seek to understand all users of your department services via questionnaires. What kind of questions would you ask and how do you balance between qualitative and quantitative feedback? Well, first, I'd like to explain what we mean by qualitative and quantitative. Those are tongue twisters, <laughs> so I'll try to say those properly as we go through. Quantitative research tells you what is happening rather than why it is happening. It tends to be obtained by using questions that ask for ratings, rankings, and numerical scores. These are often easiest to administer using questionnaires. 
but it is possible to incorporate such questions into an interview. For many in-house departments, it is not possible to conduct a truly quantitative exercise because of the numbers and sampling methods required to deliver statistically meaningful results. A qualitative approach, by contrast, is about deepening your understanding of people, their motivations and feelings. It is not trying to be statistically robust, but it does enable you to enhance your service and the esteem in which your department is held by adapting to the wishes of your most important stakeholders. This kind of feedback is more easily obtained through dialogue, asking open questions and pursuing interesting lines of inquiry. During an interview, it is important that you are doing plenty of listening, giving your colleague space to express their opinions and not interrupting with answers of your own. Some people want the best of both. Even if it is not going to be statistically robust, they'd like to incorporate a few scoring questions into an interview. That can work in a formal interview situation. Even then, it is best kept to the end so as not to interrupt the flow of a conversation. During a more informal catch-up, it would probably ruin rapport to try to ask for marks out of 10. If you do need metrics, I'd probably conclude the interview by asking for permission to send a short follow-up questionnaire rather than trying to force a questionnaire into a peer-to-peer -peer meeting. I imagine that this exercise would be an ideal opportunity to connect with the business to get a better sense of future projects, doing a bit of a, a horizon scan and identifying ways that the legal team can play an early role. What's the most effective way to collect this information? Well, Joanne, you're right. Client listening doesn't have to be solely focused on feedback. A client listening review is also a chance to look forward. Ask your colleagues about their goals for the year and what it will take to achieve them. What's keeping them awake at night? Show that you are keen to help. Ask what you and your team can do that would make a difference. The more your colleagues are used to turning to you and the legal team for advice, the better they know you and the more they trust you to be on their side, then the easier it will be to have this kind of conversation. I recommend that you normalize it. Don't wait for a formal annual appraisal meeting to ask questions about the business that you work in. Take an interest in your colleagues and their projects. If you're all based in the same building, it can be part of everyday social interaction. If you are not co-located, you have to work a bit harder, but still make it your habit to ask your colleagues what they're up to, how their week has been, how that deal is going, or what they're going to work on next. Make sure, of course, that you read all the internal updates that come around so that you are well informed. If you're visiting another office, seize the opportunity to suggest a catch-up with your internal clients at that office. This question is actually about more than just seeking feedback. It goes to the whole ethos of your legal department. Don't be a business prevention unit. If you're just seen to hold up every deal, then your colleagues will delay involving you until the last moment. They may also be less than candid with you. If you are a true collaboration partner, then they'll be keen to get you involved. And of course, one way that you can establish how you are perceived is by asking for feedback. I can imagine that there might be a bit of hesitance to asking for feedback on their work and their teams. What advice would you have for general counsels who might be on the fence about whether or not to proceed with internal feedback programs? It's only human to be nervous before asking for feedback for the first time. There are two types of fears in this situation. These are that they won't want to waste their time on me and 
They might tell me something I don't want to hear. Both of these fears stem from insecurity. It's hardly surprising. Lawyers are renowned for being insecure overachievers. So if you share these traits, don't worry, it's normal. On the first point, that your colleagues won't make time for a meeting, you have a huge advantage over external counsel and that your colleagues probably don't see a big ticking clock the moment you walk into their office. They are probably busy people, though, so you want to make it worth their while. It's useful to emphasize that you are asking their opinions, not because you want a pat on the back, but so that you can help them to get on with their jobs and achieve their goals. The second common barrier to asking for feedback is fear of criticism. No one enjoys being criticized, and it's natural not to want to stir up trouble. There's bound to be plenty of positive feedback, but if there are some criticisms, there is no point in running away from them. Do you want to be the last to know what the business head, finance director, or CEO think of you and your team? Not asking the question doesn't change the fact pattern. Ignorance is not really bliss as it removes your opportunity to take corrective action. I would urge you, don't be an ostrich. What have you got to lose? Sally, thank you so much. This has been tremendous help, I I think, for our listeners uh, around the world who are contemplating embarking on understanding uh, the value and contributions that their legal team are providing to the business. So thank you very much. I look forward to continuing our conversation. Thank you, Joanne, for talking to me today. It's been a great pleasure. And if anyone who's been listening to this podcast has a question about client listening, then you're welcome to contact me. You can find my details on my website at firmsense.co.uk. Thank you.